Hello and welcome to a very special edition of LPO Offstage, Courage, recorded back in 2021. You're about to be taken back to an episode that really opened my eyes to how orchestral musicians cope with nerves and how you can actually approach nervousness so that it becomes an advantage on stage. Hi, I'm Yolanda Brown and this is LPO Offstage. Come on in, we're going to get behind the scenes with members of the London Philharmonic Orchestra. In today's episode, we're finding out about how orchestral musicians and anyone finds the courage to step on stage and deal with their nerves, something so many people struggle with. I'm joined by horn player Mark Vines and violinist and leader of the orchestra, Peter Schoeman. Welcome, Mark and Peter. Thank you. Hi. Good to see you too. Now, I have to start with the first and obvious question, even just a little bit. Do you get nervous, Mark? Yes, I'm a little bit nervous right now, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I'm more nervous about speaking on a podcast than I would be about playing the horn. But yeah, (laughs) it's interesting not having our instruments in front of us, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, I do get nervous. And I, I think for me, one of the key things for me is to admit to those nerves, at least to myself. I think that's really important. And then the next step is then learning how to deal with those nerves. And fortunately, I think I've had a number of years of practice of that. (laughs) Good. Peter, do you get nervous at all? Oh, of course I get nervous. I think everybody gets nervous to a certain degree. But as Mark said, one has to know that it's absolutely okay to be nervous. It's to be expected. And if you know you're going to be nervous then it's easier to deal with it on the day. And I actually find the more I've been nervous for a long period beforehand for a really important concert, the more calm I'm on the day when it finally arrives. It's, it, funny enough, is very often the lesser concerts where maybe you have smaller solos to play that you don't worry about it for s- so long that when you come to it, all of a sudden you can freak out and think maybe I'm not mentally prepared for this. I think uh, it's just a question of knowing how, how to deal with it and, and to get to know yourself. When I practice, I imagine that at this point, I probably will be nervous when I have to play it. So how can I practice? Uh, what fingering can I use? Maybe what bowing? What can I change to make sure that I can sort of guarantee that I will be able to do it at the level that I want to do it? If you don't get nervous at all, you also lose that spark that helps us sometimes do, do some magic on stage. And you do hear that phrase, use the nerves, don't you? Use the nerves in your performance. Yeah. Um, Mark, sort of taking it right back to the basics, though, what do nerves feel like for you? What What's the sensation? Ah, oh, OK. So there's for me, I mean, what Peter's saying about using those nerves, that's really important. The adrenaline that courses through you in a concert is so important. Just as Peter's saying, you need that adrenaline to have that excitement, to have that communication with the audience. But mm. the the way I see it is there are side effects to the nerves. So um, you want the main effects of the nerves, but you want to mitigate those side effects. So you need to find a way of reducing those. So for me as a horn player, the physical side effects are shallow breathing and shakes. These are things that can happen. And um, so I have to find ways of stopping that happen because I don't want to be breathing (laughs) shallowly (laughs) otherwise I can't play the horn I don't want the shakes I need to be in control so for me the process starts really really early in the day of trying to make that not happen so that when I get on stage I don't feel that I just feel the excitement the other thing that nerves feel up to me is is the mental gremlins 
Um, so that's the thing that can creep in is those little voices in your head saying, oh, what if I split this note? So again, you have to fight against that. So for me, the way nerves can feel, they can feel very good. They can give you that adrenaline, that excitement, but you have to avoid the side effects. And then if you can get onto stage without feeling those side effects, then, then you've won. That's a really interesting way of putting it. People always ask me, do you get nervous on stage? And I always say no. But the things that you've described there means that I do. <laughs> you know, those gremlins that say, uh, do you think you're prepared enough for this? Will you be able to play that line? You know, um, all of those kind of doubts, which I think do run through our minds all the time. It's interesting the battle that happens in a musician's mind and in their body before they go to play. And talking about breathing, I picked up a really fantastic tip from Yo-Yo Ma where he said that very often, this is for when you have to start very softly, very calmly. And a lot of concertmaster solos do start like that. For example, Strauss's uh, Four Lost Songs, uh, the solo starts from uh, really so intimate, or the Die Frau ohne Schatten big violin solo, incredibly scary to, to start out of nowhere like that. And very often, uh, Yo-Yo Ma said, very often we overload our brain with oxygen because we're always taught you know, breathe, breathe and everything. But uh, if you need to start something really relaxed and quietly, try to deprive your brain for a second of oxygen. I, before and I breathe completely out, a few seconds before I have to start, I completely drain myself from oxygen and it brings this really calm feeling. And then once I start playing, then I start breathing again. And I just picked that up from Yo-Yo Ma and it is unbelievable how it helps me. It is so true. So I, I, I don't know if it will help everybody, but I can really encourage anyone to try that because, you know, we, we tend to breathe in a lot, but we forget to also breathe out. Yes. And it's something that would actually work even when you think of uh, non-musicians doing public speaking or, you know, even at a birthday party when they say speech. I know a lot of people <laughs> are like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to say? But actually that breathing out, exhaling and just being present. Uh, yeah. I love that. I'm going to yeah, give that yeah. a go. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, do you have any particular memories of nerve wracking concerts or musical experiences that you can share with us? I try not to remember that feeling. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's actually a really important part of my process is that... Um, this this very podcast wise. is not helping at all. No, well, no, that's OK. <laughs> I'm happy to talk about it. But I think sometimes, for me, the most nerve-wracking concerts are the ones where you, you're just not quite feeling on top of it. Yes. So you can have done all the preparation in the world. I don't know what it's like for a violinist, but for a horn player, you can wake up that morning and, and your, your chops feel a little bit fat for want of a better mm. word they're just not mm-hmm. responding mm. and so if you feel like you've lost some of that control then you can get ner- more nervous on stage so that's when all your all those techniques come into play um, but what I find is that my memories of concerts are often based more on how they felt than how they sounded yes. so if I've had to play a particularly hard solo and on that night I've in my mind I've struggled through it and that's what I'll go away remembering. And I won't always go away remembering that it actually it went fine. I like the ones where they felt easy, but sometimes they don't feel easy. And, and so what I try to do after that is try and just look back and think, OK, that went fine. And so I try to blank out that memory of the bad, the bad performance. <laughs> you know, it wasn't bad. It just felt bad. So for me, I, I try not to have that memory of, of nerve wracking performances past. That doesn't help me in the future. So I just... Mm. It happens, and each time I've learnt something from it, I've learnt another coping strategy, and it's just added to my armoury, if you like. So, 
That's powerful. So I'm not really. going to give you one specific occasion. No, it's not I'm glad help that me. you don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, do you bury them or do you have sort of a concert experience? Do you think that's never going to happen to me again uh, with nerves? I agree with Mark. It's better to block out those uh, bad performances. But when we have to perform at the level that we do perform, I don't think there are many concerts where you would ever label as bad. It's, it's in our mind it is bad. Most of the time, people don't uh, notice it. But I do remember an experience a few years ago that I, I was deeply disappointed uh, in myself. We did a tour with uh, Yannick Nezisegan, Shostakovich 5, Prokofiev 5, big German tour, which, funny enough, started almost disastrously. I think it was in Cologne, and the Oxa truck broke down because it was oh, incredibly no. cold. I, I think the gas pedal f- was frozen to the ground, and, and the co-driver had to go in underneath and try to manually get it up, something like that. But the, the truck arrived very late. We had one playthrough of Shostakovich, five in London a few days before that with the idea that we're going to have a full rehearsal in Cologne. Well, the truck arrived so late that there was no time to rehearse at all. I think we had a three-minute just seating rehearsal for everyone to make sure that uh, their seat is in the right place and so on. And in this Shostakovich 5, there's a very risky solo that involves uh, a lot of harmonics. Now, harmonics are by nature risk. And in this case, you need to slide up to the harmonic. And once you get to it, you need to release your finger to let it vibrate more. And a slide can be affected by how much, how sweaty your finger is, how sticky the fingerboard feels, uh, things like that. To show you how sometimes we react, I would have thought that I would be freaked out uh, to play this without rehearsal, you know, just performing like that. But I was so stimulated by the the excitement of what we're about to do here. And uh, Yannick had to just show everything with his hands. We couldn't have any further discussions about music or whatever. And they also just pulled together and it was a fantastic concert. So the tour went by and that that night was probably the best I ever played the solo of Shostakovich 5. So the tour went on and on and every night was fine, fine, fine. We finally come to the final concert concert, most important venue of all in Vienna, in the Musikverein. And I had a very bad night the night before. I was very tired. We arrive at the Musikverein for our um, rehearsal and Yannick skipped over my solo because we played it now so many times. So I didn't have a chance to hear my sound in the hall to try anything and anyway that night I started this solo and first harmonic came and I missed it didn't oh. sound at all and and my heart just jumped and and the second one comes and I miss it oh. as well and at that point and now you think it's just two little harmonics but it was the biggest disappointment for me of that whole year. I just wanted to sink into the stage. I felt so embarrassed because they are very crucially important harmonics. And even Yannick told me afterwards because he knew I felt terrible. He said, it's one of those moments you just want to rewind the tape, you know, oh, just do it, do, do it again. I was so distressed over that the, the Oxa had a fantastic party afterwards. It was the end of the tour. I couldn't even go to the party. Oh. I couldn't face any of my colleagues. I just went to hide in my hotel room. Oh. And the next day at the airport, I was surprised to, to realize that Nobody, nobody either cared or or heard it. So, uh, but I, it absolutely tore me up the whole night. So, we make things much bigger than they should be. And mm. uh, and but you know, as I said, because maybe because of the amount of work that we put into it, my biggest fear always is to disappoint myself that I would not be able to go do it as well out there under pressure as mm. I can do it in my practice room. I wanted to ask you, Mark, what techniques then, apart from sort of not remembering 
remembering those experiences. <laughs> what techniques do you have to manage those nerves? As Peter was saying, the preparation, the, the avoiding nerves and managing the side effects, it starts way before the performance. Mm-hmm. And how long before the performance does depend on what you're playing. But for me, any sort of hard concert I've got, that process certainly starts that day, if not a couple of days before. And I've learned to just slow everything down. Everything I do that day, I slow down. I won't rush to catch a train. I'll, I'll make sure I leave plenty of time to get anywhere. I'll, I will just walk slowly. I'm constantly just trying to relax my shoulders. Just mm. lots of little things across a day really add up. So I don't do any specific things like yoga or Alexander technique, which other people have used. But for me, I'm sure there are elements of that that I've incorporated myself. And it's just lots of small things across the day. And that's how I deal with the physical effects. So that's how I avoid those shakes and those that mm. shallow breathing to get myself in that zone. And then there's the mental side of it. And that's just really a case for me of just trying to think positively. I know there's lots of people have written books about this and, and all, sorts of, all, all sorts of methods. But for me, it's just it's remembering that if you're playing something that you might have struggled with once, you have to remember that actually, just like Peter's Shostakovich solo, there have been so many times, countless times, when it's gone brilliantly. Yeah. So you have to remind yourself of that. I think it's gone well. It usually goes well. Um, so why should it go wrong? you just got to think, yeah, this is going to go well. And I have another thing that I try, actually, when I'm on the stage, is I sometimes find myself saying, right, you're going to enjoy this. I tell myself to enjoy it, which it sounds counterintuitive because you think you either enjoy it or you don't. But that's not true. If you can, if you focus too much on what could go wrong or getting the notes right, then sometimes you don't enjoy it as much as you could. So if I tell myself, actually, this, I love this piece, I love this solo, I'm going to enjoy it, and I get myself in that mindset, I start enjoying it and I play better. All these different ways of dealing with it. It starts early and then it carries on during the performance. I'm absolutely loving those techniques. That is really, really good. And, I, I, you know, the idea of it not just being about that moment, it's the whole day. I love that you said, you know, I'm not going to run for the train. All of those things actually build up as tensions in your body, don't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, my teacher, Derek Taylor, um, he once said, just wiggle your fingers. You know, he, does this on st- he would do this on stage. He wiggle his fingers, wiggle his toes, just anything to relax. And I, I do that sometimes. It's nothing anyone can see, but just little relaxing every little extremity and getting yourself in that mindset and just relaxing. So you've got to be mentally alert, but physically Mm. relaxed. Wow. Powerful. Peter, is there anything that you've got to add to that? Or do you have any different techniques that sort of help you in your preparation for nerves? Sometimes the the more nervous I feel, especially when it's a big solo, I just... I just throw myself into it. Mm. Uh, you have to be fearless about it. You know, when we come from conservatory, we're used to playing concertos and, and recital programs. You know, mm. for me, when I was younger, I always knew the first two minutes of any recital I p- would play would be probably my weakest two minutes because I'm still feeling, finding myself. I'm uh, feeling comfortable. And then once I became um, a leader of an orchestra, I realized I don't have two minutes to, yes. to get comfortable anymore. It's got to be from the first note. So that was something completely new to train myself to do. And now, funny enough, sometimes when it's a big, long solo, like let's say held in Leben or so, I do find myself absolutely exhausted afterwards because it's a different kind of energy that you put into it from the very start. And I'm thinking back at how I can 
uh, still sometimes play recitals by the end of it uh, for playing for like an hour and a half or almost two hours in, in total a program like that playing solo and feel fine I'm thinking when I'm playing a, a solo in orchestra I'm absolutely knackered within a few minutes and sweating <laughs> because maybe more concentration because it's fewer notes It might not be lived experience but are you aware of how other musicians deal with their nerves? Do they share it? I mean for some people you know it could be medication, it could be drink. I mean the way that you've described your process is very clean, it's very sort yeah. of holistic and positive but it's not like that for everybody. Have no. you had any experiences or seen experiences where people handle their nerves in different ways? Well yeah I think that the way people handle their nerves ends up being quite a private matter. People mm. don't really talk much about it. Everybody has different ways of dealing with it and uh, it's almost like a religion, if you're religious, that uh, for me is a, is a more of a private matter. I've heard stories from, well, even my big hero, Pinka Zuckerman, was telling me when I was a student that, uh, that he learned if to calm yourself, stand on a chair. <laughs> and he would play the violin standing on a chair for 20 minutes before the concert. Then when you finally get down from that chair and you stand on solid ground, you feel so grounded, you feel so solid. And it's a, it's a calming effect. And I once was in a master class where he actually made somebody play through the entire Bach Chacon standing on a chair in front of the whole audience. Uh, oh God. Okay, now luckily we are in the position that, that I am. I'm sitting safely down on a chair when I when I do this. So at least I, I have that. And I like to sit with my back against the chair because it, it makes me feel more grounded, more mm. firm. Um, so yeah, I think everybody gets nervous to different degrees, but not everybody has to deal with the same level of stress that Mark and I, for instance, yes. have to deal with. Because these are really two of the hottest hot seats uh, in the orchestra. Um, yeah, so people don't really talk about it. And, yes. uh, yeah. I was going to add to that. Um, yeah. And it actually goes back to a, something you said earlier in the podcast, uh, Yolanda, about you always tell people you don't get nervous on stage. Mm. I know plenty of people that would say the same thing and they just they absolutely would insist they don't get nervous i've got no way of knowing in fact before this conversation i wouldn't have known peter gets nervous i've got no way of knowing whether other players get nervous and it's quite probable that some don't but i do think a lot of people that say they don't get nervous that's part of their strategy that's part mm. is, is that sort yes. of projecting that toughness that positive. Is that, yeah it's their positive thinking it's their armory you don't want to portray any weakness to other people so it is part of the strategy so, yeah, everyone has their ways of coping that people do medicate in various different ways. And that can work for some people. It can also be destructive um, mm. if you if you get the balance wrong. So it's a, for me, it's a dangerous road to go down. And I've always tried to avoid that. Mm. But that's not to say it doesn't work for other people. Mm. So, so everyone, as Peter says, everyone has their own private way of dealing with it. And mm. it's quite unusual, I think, to be talking about it like this. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, but hopefully yeah. quite therapeutic by the time we get to the end. Yeah. <laughs> well, e either that or Mark and I are going to be shaking through the rest of yeah. the season. Just no, no, no. Well, how how, how are we going to get to, <laughs> to July? <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, I, I want to actually complete the process because now you're actually making me think. So it is good that we're talking about this. That preparation, yes. Getting that muscle memory, your body knows where to go when that solo comes. Then before the show, maybe standing on a chair, maybe taking deep breaths, maybe not breathing. 
Then you've got the actual concert and you've controlled yourself, you're positive, you've felt it. And then the concert is finished. The applause has happened. The lights are down. Um, even sometimes happens before or after you've packed away your instrument. There's a come down, right? After you hear this a lot about musicians, either they need to go to the pub straight after or they, they just need to be in a quiet room or they just need to play again just to wind down. Do you have that wind down process, uh, Mark? Uh, yeah, I, I love to have a drink after a show. <laughs> Always after for me. But um, yeah, I, yeah I, I love to wind down. I, the instrument goes away straight away. Mm. Um, there's, once I've finished a concert, I'm, I'm not playing again that day, that, um, even if it's earlier. Uh, so that's done for me. The job's done. And then what I want to go and do is just I want to go out. I want to chat with other people that are in the concert and often not about the concert. You yes. know, it's just it's gone. It's done. And you can be very proud of it or sometimes disappointed or sometimes very rarely, sometimes a little bit apathetic. <laughs> but yeah. that's that's fortunately, that's very rare. The process of dealing with this concert, it starts so early in the day or in the week. And then the concert itself is this, as Peter says, all this concentration that goes into it. My way of coping with that, I think, is just uh, it's gone. It's done. And I, I move on and I, I'll try and just think about something else afterwards. Mm. No, that's really good. Uh, How about you, Peter? Uh, I, I agree. Actually, for me, the worst is to analyse the concert afterwards, to talk about it. And sometimes when you have guests that you bring to the concert, now they want to talk about it afterwards, you know, when you get together and they want to give their opinion and they don't understand that actually you don't care. The last thing you want to talk <laughs> about is that done. How it's, it's done and over it. Exactly. But it is difficult to unwind. And especially if you're on tour and the next morning you have an early travel day, again, it's, it's hard to, to go to sleep because imagine mm. at eight o'clock in the evening you need to be at your absolute best of the whole day so now if that's your peak how do you sleep by midnight it's too soon my biggest stress before a concert is i'm always worried that i'm not going to sleep well before a concert like yes. what happened in vienna and i have so many occasions to where something like this happened because i'm notoriously a bad sleeper under mm. the best of circumstances since I was a kid. But when the stress added the night before, I can wake up at four in the morning and not fall asleep again. And, and that's it. And then you feel your muscles feel tight and stiff and the coordination is not quite there. And then mm. you start getting shaky because you, you start getting nervous that your muscles are not going to function the way you've trained them because nerves make everything uh, tight. It's like a car battery on a very cold morning. It's only functioning on a small percentage of the capacity. If by chance I can fall asleep in the afternoon before the concert, even just for 20 minutes, I can stand wow. up and be a completely different person. That ability to power nap is, that's a superpower in my book. I can't power nap to save my life. If I, if I sleep before a performance, I'll have a sleepy performance. Oh, I'm a big fan of the power nap. Oh, wow. That's big good. Big fan of the power yeah, nap. Yeah, we, I've been known to fall asleep for five, ten minutes in an interval of a concert on tour. Because <laughs> I'm so tired. I'll, I'll lie down and I'll set an alarm for ten minutes and I can fall asleep with everyone sort of wandering around just behind the, the horn boxes or something. And, um, and then you wake up. As long as it's short enough, which it will be in an interval, you wake up. Ready to go. It's, Ready it's, for the next yeah, half. Yeah, yeah there's, some, there's, there's something releasing in the muscles and it calms ah. the heartbeat and it uh, makes everything feel very, very serene. Mark, I've been told you a couple of times fell asleep even during some big violence solo uh, as well. <laughs> no, no, never. No, the truth is coming no, no, out no. now. No, 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 I would always be on the edge of my seat for that. <laughs> <laughs> I see not yeah. all truths are coming out during this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have any superstitions, anything that you need to do before, uh, you know, it's like a footballer with their lucky socks or their lucky pants. Do you have anything, uh, anything that you need 
before a concert, you think, because I've done this, I'm not nervous anymore. Mark? I'm so superstitious. Really? I, yeah, I'm... If I'm watching football, for instance, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in commentator's curse and, and tempting fate. Yeah. For me, the biggest superstition, which I think is actually shared by some other horn players, is, is don't talk about it. Ooh. I hate people talking to me about something I'm about to play, or even even if they're being nice. Um, usually they are, because if they've got something bad to say, they're not going to come up and say it. But yeah. it's... Particularly if you've got several performances, I don't want to discuss it until all those performances are over. So I don't want to tempt fate. I, I mean, even now in this podcast, I wouldn't talk about a specific solo because mm. I'd be worried that yes, even by talking about that solo, then if I play it <laughs> at some point, yeah. then I'll remember the podcast and I've said something <laughs> that made something change about how I say that. So I'm I'm hugely yes. superstitious. I even have um, some lucky cufflinks that I wear for occasional performances, but... Um, Fantastic. I, no, no real reason for it. It's completely illogical, but yeah. It... <laughs> we need a little bit of illogical addition uh, to the preparation. <laughs> yeah. That's really good. Peter, do you have any superstitions? No, honestly, I I have to say I, I don't. I, I believe in making sure that I have fresh strings on my violin. Uh, my bow hair is in good condition. I probably rehair my bow far, far more often than anyone else in, in the orchestra. I change strings sometimes uh, once every five days. And then just for me to just warm up calmly, really warm up my muscles. As I get older, I find I need more and more time to warm up beforehand. And I don't like to talk to people beforehand. I like to be on my own. I like to be just in my room and, and quiet and, and all that. But uh, I don't call it superstitions. It's just... Um, it's yeah. your process. Yeah, yeah. And Mark, do you ever find yourself looking into the audience and thinking, oh, that one person there, they don't look very enamoured with this. Like, oh, is it going OK? Do you, do you ever do that or do you sort of the edge of the stage or where the conductor is, is, is as far as you look? It would be different for Peter because he sits right at the front. So he has yes. that very, very close contact with the audience. I'm usually at the back. There are occasional exceptions, but I'm usually sitting at the back. And I try not to pick out individual people in the audience especially if it's someone I know actually I, I, I don't mind knowing they're there but I don't particularly want to see them so for me I, I get more nervous for instance playing to an audience of 20 people than I would playing to 20,000 um, so I don't mind this sort of I love having an audience I miss them a lot at the moment and I, I love this sort of this feel of the audience as an entity rather than individual people so if I get focused on the individuals then that, I think it's a distraction I think that's what it is. It's not that I I mind it. It's just I don't want to be distracted. Hopefully it doesn't jeopardise any future performances, Mark. I'm going to hark back to, to the early days, really just to get a sense of, have you ever had an experience where you, you, you've prepared, you're ready and you've gone to play and that idea of your mind going blank. Has that ever happened even through college all the way up? Have you felt that once? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, if I, if I go right back to when, yes. I was, when I was a kid, first learning the piano and the horn, and I would play in music festivals, and I didn't get nervous at all at that age. I, I, mm. I, I would go out there and I would play and I'd do everything from memory. I didn't think about it. My mum would get nervous, but not me. And... um. Then when I went to college, that's when the nerves started coming in, I guess because I decided that was going to be my career. So suddenly there was way more at stake than there was when yes. I was a kid. 
and I have a particular memory. I'm I'm fine with re- reliving this one because it's, it's I've learned a lot from it, and it's not something I really do anymore. But it was in a in a recital at college, um, an examined recital, when I played a a piece called the Schumann Adagio Allegro, and it's a, a beautiful piece, and it starts with this very very lyrical slow adagio that I love to play, and I got a terrible case of the pearlies. I, I I just got oh. the shakes, and it just got harder and harder. And it's that feeling when when it starts to go wrong, and you can't go anywhere, you can't get away it from it. Snowballs, doesn't it? it just... Yeah, and it was just I'll, I'll always remember it. I mean, in fact, the guy I I, know, I now know the person who adjudicated it. I won't mention his name, but he said, "Yeah, you got nervous." Oh, so <laughs> um, I mean. I learned so much from that because that's when I went away and I chatted with my teacher and I started this whole process of learning to deal with that to make sure that wouldn't happen again. Yes, it's a horrendous memory, but if it hadn't happened, then I wouldn't have started that you know, started to learn not to do that. That is brilliant. No, thank you for sharing that, Mark. I think I do want to sort of highlight the fact that those experiences do happen. It's normal. Oh, yeah. And we sort of build and grow. Yeah, they they, they definitely happen. I mean, anyone can get caught up by that. And um, often when you're not expecting it, and you almost need it to happen. You almost need it to happen so that you, (laughs) oh, oh, this is what happens. Oh, and then you have to go away. Especially if you're at college and you go and talk to your teacher. Why did this happen? I could play this in my lesson, no problem. I can practice it. And the teacher hopefully will better help you with that and you'll you'll learn so much about yourself. And Peter, do you have anything to share about that journey to confidence? I think, you know, now you know how to deal with it. But what was it like? The comforting thing is to know that I've actually always gotten nervous to play. When I was 10 years old, I was uh, participating in Cape Town, close to where I grew up. I played several categories, but then for the concerto category, I finally felt I didn't want to do it anymore at the last minute. And my dad had to bribe me to go play. And he told me, if you get an A, I'll give you X amount of money, which was a logical amount. If you get an A plus, I'll give you, and he gave a really exaggerated amount. And as it turned out, I got an A plus. And from that, I got to buy my first ever uh, racing bicycle. It was 10 years in those days, you know. So I'll never forget that I had to be bribed to go play. But because of uh, winning that category, I got to make my solo debut with the Cape Town Philharmonic. Uh, That was my first time to play a solo orchestra, you know. And and then there was an occasion when I, one of the last things I did in college I studied eight years in America so I finished finally in Bloomington Indiana and this is about four days before I played my first ever orchestra audition which was for the Nice Philharmonic Orchestra in the south of France but my teacher wanted me to play first in the Bloomington concerto competition and the set piece for that was the Mendelssohn violin concerto everybody had to play the Mendelssohn and I thought it's very bad timing because I have to play for my audition Mozart concerto, Prokofiev concerto, mm. and all these excerpts. Only four days later, I don't want to spend my time practicing the Mendelssohn. But I remember walking to go play for this concerto competition, thinking, oh, if maybe just a car could just run me over just ever so lightly that I, I don't have to, do to go play. I was so nervous to go <laughs> play because my mind was not in it at all that yes. I would have preferred to be run over by a car just lightly. And then, of course, when I showed up there, I walked in, I had no idea that it was there was an audience. I thought it was oh, just in front of a no. panel. It was a full audience. It was absolutely freaking me out, that experience. But <laughs> the good news go? is then I, I went to Nice and I got the job. And that was, the, that was the important thing. It didn't go so well with the Mendelssohn. Oh, really? <laughs> 
<laughs> my you heart knew, wasn't. You knew. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. My heart was not in it. My last question to you is: Have you grown to like your nerves? Because now, sometimes I'll do a concert, and either I didn't process it or I didn't feel it, but that that energy isn't there, and it doesn't always give you the best performance. Have you grown to love your nerves, Mark? I would never say love them, but um, yeah, I've <laughs> like I've, them. I've grown Tolerant. to appreciate them. Yes. Um, I think that the day I stop getting nervous for performances is the day I stop caring, mm. and um, mm. I never want that to happen. So for me, yeah, I, I really appreciate them. I think it's such an important part of what I do. And there are even some things that I feel like I can only play in that situation, some technical stuff that when you've got that adrenaline, suddenly it just goes right. And um, mm. I, I can't do it as well in the practice room. So, yeah, I've learned to appreciate them for what they are. I love that word. That's the word, isn't it? Appreciate them. Peter. <laughs> yeah, definitely not love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, as I've been living with it all my life and it hasn't gotten worse. It, it hasn't gotten better. I, be, I became better at controlling it and um, dealing with it. I, I know myself much better and I've become much more consistent than I was when I was younger. When I was, I think when I was younger, I was more flashy, came across as maybe more virtuosic, but uh, more up and down. And it was by working on my weak points, which filled in all the gaps. And if you can, if you can improve your bad days, then you will improve your your better days as well. But your general level will go up. And that I can thank my final teacher in New York for, because she didn't work on my good points. She worked only on my bad points and gave me hell. But she, my general level went up. And that helped me in this profession, because... Uh, you can afford to have bad days. Yeah, we all have bad days, but only to a certain extent. There's, a, there's mm. a limit that you can't go below that. So I've become a lot more consistent and learned how to deal with my nerves. No, and that really does highlight the perspective there to be able to appreciate your nerves and also to be able to deal and manage them. Because, you know, we hear of amazing musicians that, you know, have blessed the world with their talents and all of a sudden they don't tour because of stage fright. And you just mm. think, how did it get to that level? The idea that you process this every single time mm. um, is really encouraging. And I hope it does encourage people listening as mm. well, because I know many people will be interested in how we handle nerves. So thank you so much, Peter and Mark, for sharing with me today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Yolanda. Well, that's it for now from LPO Offstage with me, Yolanda Brown. Thanks so much to Mark Vines and Peter Schoolman for their insights into what it's like to be a musician dealing with nerves and the pressure of the stage. 